This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Join the conversation and message Buck on Facebook, Instagram, or email teambuck at iheartmedia.com. He may read it on the show. Everybody has seen how dishonest the media is in recent weeks, particularly about this. I mean, there's so much we could insert in the fill in the blank there, but particularly when it comes to this Georgia election law, uh, they're lying about it all over the place. And, and it's fascinating because I thought we were supposed to be able to count on not just the media to be truth tellers, because that's absurd. We don't really believe that. But at least the the social media companies and the the tech giants, aren't they supposed to get rid of lies? Aren't they supposed to make sure that only truth is able to be shared? Don't they block things that are misinformation? And yet, has any misinformation about the Georgia election law, SB202, has any of that been banned? Has any of that been taken down? Have you seen that anywhere? No, of course not, because we all understand what's really going on here. We recognize that they have taken sides. Uh, We'll be talking about that and also, of course, the update on the Ron DeSantis effort here from the media to destroy him. They're trying to find a way to make the single best governor with the most impressive results in the entire country from the pandemic. They're trying to make him look like the bad guy after they held up Cuomo and Newsom as the good guys. It's it's embarrassing, but that's, of course, what the media does. You can't trust them. You also can't trust the big tech companies. You know that much. And now is the time to take a stance, take a stance against the MLB, take a stance against Coca-Cola, take a stance against Facebook and Google protect your personal data from big tech with the VPN. I trust express VPN. That's a virtual private network. It protects you when you use express VPN. Your connection online gets rerouted through their secure encrypted servers. So these companies can't see your IP address at all that I'm talking about here. Every device, whether you're on your phone, laptop or TV, has a unique string of numbers called an IP address. When you search for stuff, watch videos, or even click a link, and then the big tech companies can use that to track all of your activity. You, you don't want that. So all you have to do is get ExpressVPN. You don't need to be tech savvy either. It's so easy. I've got it on all my devices. Protect your internet activity with the VPN I'm using every day. Go to expressvpn.com buck to get three extra months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash buck to get three extra months free expressvpn.com slash buck. This is unbelievable. I mean, really unfortunate today, obviously, that Major League Baseball has folded up and caved to the cancel culture and a bunch of liberal lies, quite honestly. And what's even more sad is the president of the United States, Joe Biden, and people like Stacey Abrams labeling the Election Integrity Act, Jim Crow, this is what happens. You know, now you have a lot of small business owners, a lot of great baseball fans, including myself, or they're getting deprived of having the all-star game in Atlanta because of a cancel culture. And I think it's a, a message to all of us all across this country that are at home tonight. They're coming after you next. You know, they're going to come after your ball game. They're going to boycott your business. If you don't agree with with their way of life, they're going to come after you on that, too. Cancel culture is a cancer in our society. It's destroying us. It's eating us from the inside out. It's ruinous. 
And now it's going to cost a whole lot of small business owners and employees, people that are selling merchandise, people that own hotels or try to rent out their home on Airbnb or whatever it may be. They're losing, they estimate, in the county in Georgia, Cobb County, where they were going to have the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, $100 million of revenue. Now, $100 million of revenue is being pulled from this part of the country. And I know they'll say, oh, well, Buck, they'll just move it somewhere else. Yeah, but people were counting on that revenue. People have been making decisions. People have been preparing for this. You're going to punish an area of the country that worked to put itself in a position where they could actually have this kind of an event. You're going to punish them for what? For lies. Lies. Governor Kemp knows everyone in Georgia, everyone who's read the bill, the Election Integrity Act, SB 202, everyone knows that this is all bull crap. But Democrats don't care about that. The lie is useful. There's a certain power. There's a certain uh, advantage they get from just making it up. So that's all that really matters. And that's what they've done. And they've caused real damage to people here. And it's not just Major League Baseball, mind you. It's also Coca-Cola. It's Delta Airlines. Uh, These are companies that could very easily say, and it would be much better for the country if they said, we provide great services to all people and, you know, support our democracy, but we don't take partisan political stances out of respect for our customers and our employees. But no, that's not the culture we have now. Because, you see, conservatives have unfortunately, and this has been a huge mistake, spent a long time sitting around saying, you know, maybe we'll get them to stop being crazy. Maybe we can get the left, the libs, the progressives to stop being insane. But it doesn't work because they're getting their way. They're benefiting from this. They get to bash their political enemies. They get to increase their power. Why would they stop? They don't care about the damage that's being done to people. They like the damage that they see. They like that people that disagree with them politically are having their business hurt or perhaps even ruined. And if there's some collateral damage to their own side, you know, to make an omelet, you got to break a few eggs. That's their attitude. Like all leftists, collectivists, totalitarians, Stalinists, you know, some people are going to suffer because of my maniacal policies, my, my desire for control and absolute power, eh, too bad. That's really the ethos of the Democrat Party these days. They don't care. It doesn't bother them at all. They'll just tell themselves fairy tales. They'll tell themselves lies about what's happening if they have to. Or they just will ignore it. Or they don't mind it. Doesn't matter. It's not going to stop. So how do we get it to stop? People ask me this. Where are you spending your dollars? What companies, what corporations do you support? What products are you buying? You buy the products of of uh, companies that support free speech. Do you purchase things online or in store that are uh, sold to you by people who even if they don't share your values, that's that's one thing. That's fine, although I think that's also good, but at least are willing to allow you your values and not spit on you all the time. Are, are you making those determinations? I, I tell you this and I say it w- without without any hesitation. Are you checking out the sponsors on this show? Or whatever other shows you listen to as well. I'll just say it. I mean, this is a general principle, though. Obviously, I care the most about the sponsors on this show. 
Are you actually taking action on those things? Because if the answer is no, if you're just, yeah, I'm still going to fly Delta because I like the points and Coca-Cola. By the way, you should not be drinking Coca-Cola. We all know this, right? Soda is terrible for you. It's a whole other really all soda. Unfortunately, it's kind of like a treat. You know, if you think of soda like you think of, you know, a, a, a lollipop or a candy cane or something, a once in a while sweet treat, that's fine. But I know Coca-Cola has bought all these other brands and companies beneath it. But in general, it's still thought of as a soda company and. And really, people shouldn't be drinking that stuff. You should be drinking water. Uh, I try to remind myself of this all the time. But are you taking action based upon these things? Every single one of you listening to this, huge amounts of people across the country, because this show is, has gotten big now, folks, and we, we have a large audience across the United States. It's been, you know, it's taken us five years to get here, but now we're one of the, by, by the numbers, I'm, I'm certain one of the 10 biggest radio shows in the United States. And then it's just a question of where we fall on that list for conservative talk and we sit here and we we think to ourselves how is this going to change how will this stop um it's only when we fight back and that's what trump when he released you know 45 as people are calling him now the former president of the united states put out one of his i, I don't know what we call these these uh, memoranda memoranda from down in, in mar-a-lago where he said that this is this is nonsense and you've got to hit back. If we don't hit back, we lose. I, I hope everyone at least understands that now. If we don't decide that it's time to do something about this cancel culture and, and everyone has to has to mobilize, then it just continues on. And, and then we just ha- we'll get used to it, I suppose, over time or we start just withdrawing from uh, our principles in public life and, and allow the other side to just steamroll us all the time. You know, when was when was the last time a company did something drastic because it was so afraid of conservatives or traditional Christians or Republicans or whatever coming after them? When was the last time you could think of? Because I could sit here and tell you lots of times the pendulum has swung in the other direction. It happens all the time, actually. So we either change this dynamic or it continues to be the dynamic. That's where we are. I think people have realized this now. I will tell you, I will admit, I, I used to have a a sense that um, I, I used to have a sense that, you know, we could we could convince the other side to stop being crazy. But now I've I've seen it's really over the last ever uh, last three or four years. It's gotten particularly egregious, uh, but I've seen that they don't care that it's damaging and that it's wrong and that it's unprincipled. In fact, it's an advantage Right? If you're willing to do whatever to get what you want, you got a lot. You got a lot of room for maneuver. You got a lot of things you can do. That's their approach. They don't feel badly about any of this, and it has enormous effects on. Remember, one company does this. A lot of other companies go, "Uh oh, better put out another statement on diversity and inclusion. Better put out another statement in support of you know m- multiculturalist rhetoric or wh- whatever it is." Right? Better put out another statement. Corporate policy and then people that work in those companies have to sit around and and mouth the preferred slogans of the cultural Marxist. You know, yes, sir. OK, yes, ma'am. OK, say whatever they're told to say, like a bunch of brainless robots that just want to keep their jobs and keep their health care and their paychecks. And I get it. But this keeps happening and we keep turning around, looking at each other and saying we're half the country. Why can't we stop this? 
The other side doesn't live through this. Why do we have to? We need to wake up, folks. The time to do something about this is now. Um, Here's uh, Governor Kemp again. Play 16. It means cancel culture and partisan activists are coming for your business. They're coming for your game or event in your hometown. And they're coming to cancel everything from sports to how you make a living. And they will stop at nothing to silence all of us. They are happy to silence all of us. That's the goal. That's the purpose. See, on the right, because we believe in free speech, the free exchange of ideas, we understand that there's something lost when when there's no space for political discussion that is free, fair and open. We also understand that there's something lost when there are places that can't be by nature free of politics. And we used to think of sports as a place where that was largely true. I know people talk about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Muhammad Ali and, and other you know, sports superstars who have taken very political stances at, at different times. But generally speaking, we think of sports as something where you could sit down and have a conversation as a Republican or a conservative. You could sit down and talk to you know, your progressive neighbor about, you know, who who's going to win the Stanley Cup this year or who's going to win the uh, the Heisman. Or I, I don't know. I, I don't I honestly don't really care about this stuff at all. So I'm, I'm increasingly not uh, meaning professional sports and also college sports, too. So I don't pretend to, to know much about this. I'm I've disconnected from it for many years now. But the point is, you used to be able to talk to people about this and there was some sense of common ground. There was some shared understanding and it didn't always devolve into a political food fight. Now it you'll talk about politics first in the context of sports. You'll speak about how you know NBA players are uh, taking a knee or NFL players are doing something during the uh, during the Pledge of uh, sorry during the National Anthem, not the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, but they're, they're doing things, and that's what comes up before anything else, because the progressive left feels like it's just a long string of victories on this issue. We either raise the cost and fight back or we keep losing. It's a once in a generation investment in our economic future, a chance to win the future, paid for by asking big corporations, many of which do not pay any taxes at all, just to begin to pay their fair share. And it won't raise a penny tax on a family making less than $400,000 a year. No federal tax. No addition. Joe Biden wants to tax corporations more. Now, if you listen to the leftist rhetoric, you'd think that corporations would be automatically incensed by this and that they would be strong supporters of the lower tax Republican Party. But that's not happening at all. In fact, big corporations are fans of big government. They're largely controlled by they, they are generally now a constituency of the Democrat Party. I'm talking about the mega corporations, the very top, not all companies, but places like Amazon, Google, Facebook, Delta, Major League Baseball. You get on the whole list. And I didn't even mention this before. Major League Baseball should lose its its antitrust exemption. Major League Baseball in a state like Georgia should lose its uh, and any tax breaks that it has or Delta Airlines should lose tax breaks, for example, in the state of Georgia. That's what should happen. They Companies should know 
that if we're going to punish people based on politics, politics is going to punish them back. And then you'll understand this is this is very straightforward. This is about power dynamics in our society. So we can ignore it and keep keep just taking it on the chin or we can say that this is enough. And people are saying, oh, but what can I do? I've already told you. you know, do you support do you support private corporations? Do you support companies that are out there selling products that will defend your values that stand with you? Companies like the ones that advertise on this show, but on other shows, too. You know, when when you see uh, when you see commercials on Fox News, if you're a Fox watcher, are you like, OK, that's that's a company that's standing with Fox. So I'm going to support them because they're going after Fox advertisers constantly. They're going after radio advertisers constantly. So it's very easy, in fact, to show that you care about this and you're and you're showing you care every day. You have choices to make every day that are either helpful or not helpful with regard to protecting basic freedom, free speech and the the right to have your beliefs respected by corporations, by companies, just in the free market in general or in the market. As we know, the market's never really free in this country, but that's another conversation. But why do big companies not get upset? Why don't they turn on Democrats over this one? Biden's saying he wants to raise the corporate tax rate going forward. It's because they will find ways. They have armies of accountants and they have the kind of political leverage to get things like a special statewide or even national tax break. They have the influence to live by a different set of rules. And so what ends up really happening is that smaller companies, upstarts, challengers, people that want to go up against the incumbents, they end up squashed by the regulatory pressure, by the additional cost, by the additional taxes. They end up hurt by these government policies and regulations, and government gets more revenue, looking like they're standing up for the little guy, when really they're actually just crushing the middle guy for the benefit of the guy on top. That's what's really happening. That's what will occur with the Democrats passing their their tax proposal going forward. Um, And then there's just also uh, the way this bill in Georgia continues to be lied about. I mean, it would be one thing if this was a really contentious area of politics. You know, if Georgia had just passed, let's say, a statewide ban on abortion uh, or even a ban on abortion, you know, after the, the after the first two two uh, terms of the pregnancy, which something like 70 to 80 percent of Americans would agree with. But anyway, if Georgia did that, that would be con- treated like, you know, end of days, the biggest fight of all time. And you could see how it would get very political. They're acting like and it's because people like Joe Biden are reckless and shameless liars They're acting like what's happened in Georgia is a law that prevents minorities from voting. That's what this is racist. They said Jim Crow 2.0. I mean, they're they're actually referencing. I mean, the Jim Crow laws are named for a minstrel show character. These were hideous, inhumane laws put in place after the Civil War to prevent black people from. Uh, from having their their rights, I was going to say their full rights, having really any civic rights, they're comparing this law to that. Biden said it's Jim Crow on steroids. It's worse than literacy tests, 
segregated housing, segregated transportation, you know, separate water fountains. It's worse than that, Biden says. Think about how crazy that is. Think about how recklessly and just disgustingly unfair and untrue it is. This is the president. I'm not talking about a few random people on the Internet or have a YouTube show somewhere. This is the president of the United States. And he's lying about this that much. You know, but then again, this is the president who said about Mitt Romney, quote, going to put y'all back in chains and quote. We all remember that. That's what Joe Biden said when he was vice president. And it was disgusting. What does the law do? I've I've went I've gone through this with you once or twice before on the show and some in some specifics, but it says you need voter ID for absentee ballots. Okay, well, you need voter ID to vote in person. So voter ID for absentee ballots is racist. Well, no, we've all the Supreme Court's already looked at voter ID in person is legitimate, universally applicable, a necessary component of voter integrity measures. I have absolutely no problem with it. And I think it's necessary. I go beyond having no problem with it. And they say that you can't bring water to people. You can't bring food and water to people in line. I mean, is is anybody really going to starve or die of dehydration because they wait in a voting line for an hour? First of all, that's not true. As you know, they can have food and water 150 feet. If you're that hungry, it's completely legal for people to hand out sandwiches and you know potato chips and soda, whatever they want, 150 feet from the polling station. And the polling stations themselves can distribute water to people, which is fine. But yet they still go around lying about this. They still go around pretending that this situation is different than it is. Why do they do that? Well, because they're reckless. Because they benefit from it. Because the Democrat Party right now wants to put Republicans on defense for racism while they completely steamroll political norms, have a border crisis, are talking about the elimination of the filibuster and a massive transformation of the economy. We don't need a transformation of the economy. We just need to let the economy get turned back on. We need government to get out of the way with these unbelievably stupid continued lockdowns and and all the stuff that's going on right now. Still to this day, we need the government to stop doing those things. But no, instead of just allowing us to go back to life as we know it or had known it before the pandemic, they're using this as a crisis for the massive transformation of America. And the way they're covering their tracks as they do this is by getting us to beat each other's throats over racism in a law in Georgia that is not racist. You know, there's a quote often misattributed to Winston Churchill. So many Churchill quotes on the Internet are fake. uh, And and there's a lot of other fake quotes to, you know, like Abraham Lincoln telling you, don't believe everything you read on the Internet, that quote. Uh, But there's the fake Churchill quote. But it's still a good quote about how a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth has a chance to put its pants on. Churchill never actually said this, but people will put it out there on the Internet anyway. And and I understand it's tough to know, quote, attribution. uh, But there's the uh, President Franklin Roosevelt, Secretary of State Cordell Hull did write a lie will gallop halfway around the world before the truth has time to pull its breeches on. So that's the that's a real quote, a real attribution versus the uh, much more famous Churchill one that he didn't actually say. 
Plus, Churchill would have never said pants, right? Keep that one in mind. He wouldn't have said pants. He's a Brit. But uh, you see this with the way that the uh, the way that people are talking about what's going on in Georgia. It's just there are just so many lies about it. And and when you're talking about blatant objective lies like this, you wonder how how could this continue? Well, it's because of all the pressure, of all the incentives, the incentives to continue to perpetuate these lies. And I'm telling you, if you've tried to share your political opinions on social media lately, you know it's really hard to have an honest, forthright conversation. But now I've got a place where you can actually speak the truth and share your thoughts. Caucusroom.com. This is a social media network exclusively for conservatives. Caucusroom is an online community for conservatives to gather and engage locally. Only real people who are verified conservatives can become Caucus Room members, but Caucus Room will never share your information with anyone ever. The sign-up process ensures you're communicating with real conservatives in your neighborhood, no bots or trolls. It's a great way to get engaged on issues where you can make the biggest difference locally. At Caucus Room, you can participate in live virtual meetings that are so secure the platform played host to over a dozen virtual Republican Party conventions last year. All right, go now, find new news jokes, and get involved with causes near you without the Silicon Valley giants crushing your free speech. Join the Buck Sexton Listeners Group. That's right, we have a Buck Sexton Listeners Group on caucusroom.com. That's C-A-U-C-U-S-R-O-O-M. Dot com. You can speak to other Team Buck folks all across the country and locally. Interact with other listeners just like you. Caucusroom.com. That's the Buck Sexton listeners group at caucusroom.com. 17 days is not enough early voting. Well, Stacey so, Abrams, by the way, Stacey Abrams was in New Jersey, in my state, praising Phil Murphy this week for a voting law where New Jersey early voting is nine days. Half half of what Georgia is, yet she's on TV in New Jersey, I saw it myself, saying that this is one of the greatest voting expansion bills we've ever seen, but this is Jim Crow? Yeah, I'm not, sorry, George, it doesn't make any she's sense. Not. Yeah, Chris Christie's making a good argument here. I, I know a lot of you are like, Chris Christie, but he's trying to make a comeback, or at least a media comeback. It's amazing now. It used to be, I think, that people wanted to go into the media so they could become politicians. Now people become politicians so they can be media stars, but anyway. Uh, Chris Christie pointing out here that early voting in Georgia. I mean, there's no good faith argument here from the left that this is racist and evil and Jim Crow. I mean, they're they're just it's a smear. It is slander, purposeful political slander. And I keep saying of the state of Georgia, but it's of Republicans in the state of Georgia. That's what this is really all about. And uh, because of the history of the state of Georgia, which does have a very troubled history, because of Democrat-enabled legalized racism, by the way, starting you know right after the, well, stretching back, obviously, from well, well before the Civil War, but going all the way up until the Civil Rights era. Because of all of that, uh, this has a particular resonance right now when we talk about it. But let's actually look at this for a second. If it's, if it's racist to have whatever it is, 19 days of early voting in Georgia, uh, isn't it a lot more racist only have nine days in New Jersey? If you look at Delaware, Joe Biden's home state, a blue Democrat state, 
and you look at their voting laws, Georgia is far more permissive and far less restrictive is the term of art here. Restrictive is the word that keep using to talk about this. But uh, that's very that's intentionally meant to convey an impression without getting into the details. Because if you look at what other states actually have in place, there are many that are blue Democrat states that are far more restrictive than Georgia. So how is it fair to call Georgia that? But this is these are word games, word games that are very powerful, word games that serve the purpose of the Democrats. But they're meant to intentionally mislead you about what's really happening here. They're meant to show you a different reality from what's really playing out before your very eyes. And that is the opening then because they've created all of this noise. It's the opening for these corporations then to pile on as well. And then it becomes a movement. They have mobilized Alinsky style. Doesn't matter what was true. The allegation creates the mob mentality of a need for people to do something about the thing that doesn't even exist or isn't even real. But once the mob is out there with pitchforks and torches, so to speak, looking to make an example of the king or storm the Bastille or, you know, whatever. Right. Once the people are mobilized, you got what you want. They're angry. You tell them who to attack. You tell them who to go after. And that's what ends up happening here. And, and corporations get in on it, too. As I've told you, I believe there has been a major shift in some of the most well-known uh, American companies out there, some of the most powerful, wealthy companies out there. It used to be that they did these things because they were afraid of boycotts. Now they're effectively weaponized against Republicans and the GOP because the people in charge believe this stuff. That's part of the transformation that's happened here. Or they believe it enough that they're willing to go along with it when they think there could be some short term benefit from it. You know, I, I hate the idea of boycotts. I hate the idea of politicization of sports, even though I think professional sports is full of overpaid crybabies now who uh, now not all of them don't tell me, oh, Buck, but I love so and so. I love my team. That's fine. I'm speaking generally. Uh, but, you know, this to, to be a professional athlete in America, to be. Uh, playing a kid's game and paid millions and millions of dollars to do it. What a what a rarefied, what a special thing that is. You know, while most people show up at jobs where they make maybe enough money to pay very basic, simple bills to live in, you know, an, a, an OK place. You know, while, while most of America is just kind of trying to keep their heads above water, some people often who are quite genetically gifted are able to make millions or tens of millions of dollars for doing something that the rest of us think is fun. And yet they complain about this country a lot now, don't they? A lot of complaints about what a what a bad country this is. In fact, we have, you know, um, Rapino, the female professional soccer. But I mean, women's professional soccer is boring. It's just boring. You can like it. That's fine. A lot of people think that conservative talk radio is boring or crazy or whatever. Fine. They're allowed to. I'm allowed to say women's professional soccer is not a good product. And I'm not alone in that because not a lot of people watch it because it's just not very good. I mean, if you really want to watch soccer at about that speed, go watch your local high school teams play and you'll see about the same speed. And I mean that. And I coached high school soccer, so I have some idea what I'm talking about. Uh, you'll see about the same speed. And 
yet you have uh, athletes who are seizing on the female professional soccer players who are seizing on the politics of the moment to say that they're not paid the same way. I mean, this is all very straightforward. We understand why they're not paid the same amount of money, right? But we're supposed to forget that now because what? Oh, otherwise, you'll be attacked. You'll be attacked by this mobilized woke mob, right? They'll come after you, even for something as obvious as that. Uh, the fact that somebody could be play, somebody could be paid to play any professional sport is a gift, and they should view it as such. But that, honestly, women's soccer players, you know, make the money they do is pretty remarkable. Just saying. And without the men's leagues creating essentially an incubator for the infrastructure of women's sports. I, I also have to wonder, when are we just going to have, why not just have co-ed, co-ed sports all, all across the board? This is what the left wants, right? I mean, I don't want this. I think it's crazy, but why not just have all, all co-ed sports? We'll see, we'll see how many women are playing in a co-ed in a, NHL. But you see, what they'll do is they'll say, oh, but we, we shouldn't. And by the way, I know this is crazy, right? Women can be amazing athletes in their sport you know, uh, and competing against their gender. I'm trying to explain what the left what the leftist mentality is going to mean or should mean if we take it seriously. We mean we we eliminate gender gender separation of sports. And what that will also mean is that you will have basically no women on professional teams where they're judged by ability to put points on the board or to, you know, to catch or to run a certain distance in a certain time, whatever it may be. Um, but we're supposed to forget about all that now. We're, we're a country that seems increasingly like there's a there's a a war on observation. You can't observe things that are very clear to you, that are very straightforward, that are very apparent. You're supposed to pretend you don't see what you see. And that's all over the place. It's when we talk about, you know, women's uh, women's sports and complaining about equal pay. We talk about SB 202 in Georgia, what it actually does versus what they're saying it does when we see these campaigns about you know asian american and or whatever i can't aapi i don't even know what the acronyms did i've never seen this acronym until a couple of weeks ago but you know it's something asian pacific islander hate um you know stopping the hate of, of aapi groups and we're, we're not supposed to notice that they only seem to really want to talk about that those incidents when it involves somebody who is a, a white male perpetrator and that's not most of the cases you're seeing, is it? But not allowed to talk about it. Not, not allowed to just say this is what I'm observing. You're not even not even uh, making statements of of uh, you know empirical fact necessarily, other than just this is what I've seen. This is what I'm seeing. Can we talk about what I'm seeing? No, you cannot talk about what you're seeing. You will be canceled. You will be punished for that. It's a war on observation. It's a the cancellation of observation is really what you're seeing. You say what they tell you to say. Don't read the text of SB 202 in Georgia. Just call it racist and anybody who supports it racist. Don't don't spend your time actually learning it. Don't listen to shows like this. Well, you'll understand what's really happening. No, you are not allowed to observe. You are told what to do. And this is the terrifying thing. There are a lot of people who want to be told what to do. And. I know I could transition and maybe I will into some mask talk here and what's going on with lockdowns. But there are people who find tremendous comfort in being controlled. There are people who would much rather have their lives dictated to them. 
then have to make decisions and, and, and have freedom in a lot of these choices. I, I know that seems strange, just, but just look at cults. You know, look, look at how people willingly turn over all of their decision-making, all of their powers of individual thought and free, you know, free minds and the, the free agency of, of the individual will. No interest in that stuff. Tell me what to do. Tell me who to bow before. Just as long as I'm warm and fed and safe at the end of the day, that's all that matters. You promise me you'll give me that? Okay. I'll do whatever you tell me. Way too much of that going on in this country. That's for sure. Yeah, but the one thing I took out of that piece was, man, I think most white people and black people are great people. I really believe that in my heart. But I think our system is set up where our politicians, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, are designed to make us not like each other so they can keep their grasp of money and power. They divide and conquer. I truly believe in my heart most white people and black people are awesome people. But we're so stupid following our politicians, whether they are Republicans or Democrats. And their only job is, hey, let's make these people not like each other. We don't live in their neighborhoods. We all got money. Let's make the whites and blacks not like like each other. Let's make rich people and poor people not like each other. Uh, let's let's scramble the middle class. I truly believe that in my heart. We are led to believe that there are institutions like the media that are there to be a check on power when they're actually the the handmaidens of power. They're they're the uh, the assistants. They they exist to be toadies for those in power throne shiners to those who are making all the decisions and what do those people do the ones with with real influence in this country uh they turn everyday folks against each other with narratives like this with what's going on in in georgia and how that has ramifications for the rest of the country you'll notice that there are people that talk so much about racism and they do it in a way that always benefits their side of of the political aisle and it never makes things better when they say things that are untrue or when they exaggerate the state of racial division in this country. In fact, you start to sense that there are groups that talk about racism constantly who exacerbate racial divisions in this country. I mean, you know, start, start to wonder. Uh, you start to wonder. Black Lives Matter, for example. Is Black Lives Matter dedicated to healing? Is it, is it really dedicated to bringing all Americans together on shared principles and, and basic uh, human values? Or is it a lot of anger and resentment weaponized for political purposes against the other, in this case, anybody who's not a part of Black Lives Matter, which overwhelmingly falls along Republican and Democrat political lines? You see what's said by these organizations, by these groups. I mean, when, when is there going to be a, a real public discussion, a real national conversation, you could say, about the fact that we are we just came out of a year where there were the most murders in the United States since 1995. Huge spike nationwide in murders. Every major city pretty much in the country had a considerable some had a, a, a horrific spike in shootings and 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 murders. And it started not with the pandemic. It started right around uh, May, June of 2020. What else started right around May, June of 2020, everybody? 
We all know the answer to that, right? BLM. Cops are the bad guys. Cops are racist. There's so much racism in this country that there's a justification for mass looting and rioting, attacking innocent people. BLM as a movement would have would have you believe that the destruction of private businesses and, and even destruction of private homes, the uh, attacks on federal court buildings, attacks on police officers, local and federal federal law enforcement, that somehow that's about combating racism. That that's going to make this a better a better country, a happier, safer country where we all get along. Uh, that's not true. But the Democrats benefited from the movement. They mobilized so many people in the base with the BLM movement last year. Remember, there was a BLM movement under the Obama administration. And then Obama, you know, was was spent all this time uh, you know, demagoguing about how the movement had all these really good things about it. And you know, we're really coddling these left wing ideas about how cops are the problem. And these are ideas where people really suffer horribly. I mean, families are ruined because of these ideas, because you have uh, district attorneys in places like San Francisco with this guy, Chesa Boudin or Boudin or whatever, uh, who don't want to enforce the law against criminals. And then law abiding good people feel more scared and then the criminals feel emboldened and they do even more stuff and they get away with more stuff. And there are innocent victims of this. You would think, right, you would think that maybe people would start to look at what's happening with uh, the attacks on Asian-Americans that are occurring in major cities across the country under a Biden administration and ask, why is this happening now? Instead, they're desperate to tie it to Trump. I mean, the intellectual dishonesty around all of this is truly astonishing, but it's what they do. They find a way to tie it to Trump. Um, I'm I'm concerned about where all this goes, because what's going to happen is that the Democrats are not good at governance. They're already showing us that with the border crisis and many other things. Democrats in charge, whether it's Cuomo in New York State or, uh, you know, Newsom in California, de Blasio in New York City, uh, you know, the mayor of Chicago. You, you see all these different Lori Lightfoot. You see all these different uh, politicians, Democrats. They ruin places. They ruin them. They destroy them. And so then what happens is they come into power with all these ideas about all the great stuff they're going to do. But they're ideas that overwhelmingly have been tried before and don't work. And then they turn around and they say they find a way to blame other people. And what's the best way to do that? Going after narratives of resentment and division and turning people against each other who aren't actually making any of these decisions. Right, Charles Barkley's right. The people in charge. And this is much more common and much more reality with Democrats than it is Republicans. The people in charge use race as a cover for what they're actually doing to the country. They use racial division for their own purposes and they make it worse. And they know they're doing it. We wanted to ask Governor DeSantis about the deal, but he declined our request for an interview. We caught up with him south of Orlando. Publix, as you know, donated $100,000 to your campaign, and then you rewarded them with the exclusive rights to distribute the vaccination in So Palm first Beach. of all, that, what you're saying is wrong. How, how is that not pay to that, play? That's a fake narrative. I met with the county mayor. I met with the administrator. I met with all the folks at Palm Beach County, and I said, here's some of the options. We can do more drive-through sites. We can give more to hospitals. We can do the Publix. And they said, we think that would be the easiest thing for our residents. So 
But Melissa McKinley. 60 Minutes. Caught in a smear. Uh, We could play the rest of that audio for you. 60 Minutes didn't on purpose because Governor DeSantis, when look look at the way the 60 Minutes reporter goes after him. Didn't you do this? Didn't you get $100,000 from Publix? And that's why you'd. Now, DeSantis has done a better job of vaccinations than other comparably uh, comparable uh, states in terms of size. So, first of all, the results, DeSantis has got better results, better economic results, better vaccine results. DeSantis has put on a clinic while all these other Democrat governors of big states are idiots. All right. Cuomo, Newsom, Governor Murphy in New Jersey running for cover because they're clowns. And they're, oh, we believe the science. Yeah, sure you do. Good job, morons. And they're coming after DeSantis. He had better results. And now they're saying, well, let's put the results aside. Let's just look at why your results are better, because there's some corruption involved here. You know how you got to the results is the problem. One hundred thousand dollars donated to a pack by Publix uh, grocery stores in Florida. So let's let's be very clear here about that. By the way, that exchange is from a few weeks ago, but 60 Minutes just came after him last night and is trying to make this case that there's something uh, there's something wrong here with the vaccine rollout. Essentially, it's a favor. It's pay to play favors for donors to Ron DeSantis. That's the that's the basic allegation. And this is absurd. DeSantis goes into some detail about it. Uh, first off, CVS and Walgreens were given the vaccine uh, to distribute to seniors before Publix got anything. So the first people to get something weren't even I mean, the first company to get vaccine distribute wasn't even Publix. OK, start with that. Their mission, DeSantis explains, was to get it to seniors as fast as possible. One thing you won't see a lot of people talking about is that while the case case numbers in some places have gone up considerably like New York, gone down in Texas in the last month, but gone up in New York, deaths overall over the 14 day average are still going down. This is what should have been expected all along. Um, this should have been expected all along, because if we get vaccines to seniors. We are going to cut the death rate from this virus dramatically based on the numbers. We can all see it. All right. If, if you are if you are over 70, this is a very dangerous disease. If you are under 50, it's not. I just had it, folks. I just went through it. It's uncomfortable. You don't want to get it. But if you're under 50, it's not a, a considerable risk unless you have some other uh, health condition that you're adding into this, unless you have some, you know, ext- uh, extreme obesity and uh, and diabetes. But overall, and we're making overall decisions here about public health, it's senior citizens who are at real risk and senior citizens have gotten vaccinated in great numbers in, in Florida. I think they've gotten 75 percent of seniors now have gotten at least one dose. So DeSantis is winning. You know, he's doing a good job. But they're saying that he gave it to Publix, and that means that somehow there's corruption here. Now, I don't live in Florida, but my two brothers have moved there because they hate New York so much because of what's going on here. And Publix, there are 800 Publix grocery stores in the state of Florida. So he already rolled it out to Walgreens and CVS for seniors. And then to get it, and while they were focused on that mission, then to get it to people as quickly as possible 
in the uh, rest of the population. Right. So so he had a focused mission, focused protection on seniors in Florida, which is the most important thing by far, because that's who dies from covid really seniors. So he goes after that right away, which is the right move. And this whole thing about getting 25 year old public school teachers vaccinated, it's, it's shameful. What? Oh, this is so scared. Give me a break. So every senior should have gotten vaccinated before any frontline worker other than healthcare workers who are dealing with people who are sick with this every day. You know, the, you've got public school teachers and it's not I don't want to just pick on them because there are other, you know, public sector employees, too, but who are working from their couches going, oh, I need the vaccine. I'm 30 and I'm scared. We're all you know, we've all got concerns about covid. And yeah, we all interact with people who also are older, but getting the vaccine to those older people as soon as possible is how you save them. Not by spreading it out among favored constituencies. And, you know, in, in the state of Vermont, they're straight up making it, uh, making access different based upon your ethnic group. I, this is disgraceful. It's not even a little bit legal, but is anyone going to challenge it? Anyone going to bring a, 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 a federal lawsuit of, from the Biden administration against what the state of Vermont's doing? No, no, they are not. So, yeah. Your vaccine, your access to a life saving vaccine in some places is affected by your race. That's what we've really come to as a country. Huh? And of course, if you're non-white, you have better access to it in those cases. In the, in the case of Vermont, you know, that that's what we're told. That's the way that it works. So. Back to Publix and the vaccine situation here. I mean, they had some story about how, oh, For some people in one poor part of Florida, they had to go. It's a 25, 25 miles to Publix. Uh, They leave out that if you're a senior and you really need it, there's a CVS or a Walgreens. What is your local grocery, uh, your local pharmacy or grocery store with a pharmacy in it? That's Florida's model was get it to those places as fast as you can so it can get it to people. New York's model. I, I have a vaccine appointment. In the Javits Convention Center, I mean, this is being run by New York City, New York State. I think I got it uh, 60 days from now at like 8 a.m. That's what I, that's what I have to deal with. And it was I had to get my family member, my brother-in-law help me get online. It was a mess. I can't walk to my drugstore on the corner and get it. They can in Florida. But 60 minutes is there to suck up to those in power, to do their part like the sociopathic journo lunatics they are by attacking Governor Ron DeSantis because he's made a mockery of who the journalistic establishment has been backing, what politicians they've been backing during this pandemic, who they've been acting like the heroes are here. They're wrong. They're just flatly wrong. And so now they try to cover it up. They try to muddy up, try to dirty up Governor DeSantis because it's not even just about the covid narrative and vaccinations. We all know what else is going on here. We all know that there's a very real possibility that DeSantis could run for president in 2024 and would be formidable, especially given the economic renaissance that his state is going through the explosion of of new uh business activity and people moving there i mean heck i i'm thinking about moving there and i'm i'm really thinking about it i already have two brothers i got brothers that have lived in new york their whole lives never lived in another city in their lives except for college and they both moved there and they love it i'm just i'm sitting here i'm just telling you the truth i mean it's it's a 
it's a fascinating situation to see the journos saying what they're saying about this, given the reality that's played out and given what Governor Ron DeSantis has shown us. They're just trying to tear this guy down. And it's because they were wrong and he's not their guy. And this 60 Minutes piece, you know, 60 Minutes maintained a, you know, something of a reputation here, some kind of a reputation for not objectivity, but not being as gross as some of the other journo outfits. Uh, but this was as bad as it gets. And they, they look foolish. They look idiotic. They cut out in the exchange they played last night. Uh, they cut out Ron DeSantis explaining in detail. You cannot hear his explanation. There are other prominent Democrat officials in, in Florida who have said DeSantis is right, guys. This is actually not what you're saying here about Publix wrote a hundred thousand dollar check to a pack. And therefore, that's why DeSantis gave them. This is this is stupid beyond words. It's just not true. Now, some Democrat hacks are going along with it, but there are some other Democrats who are saying, sorry, guys, this is not a real thing. But it's just a reminder that this is this is now the media is just warring propaganda machines. And you have one side that has 95 percent of the media real estate to have their story told. And so they'll just abuse it and they'll lie. And then you have other you have five percent, which is the conservative Republican side of the news media, which I'm a part of, who's sitting here saying, look at what's going on. I mean, we, we are still in the grip of this covid lockdown badness. And it's in large part because the media went all in on Fauciism and Governor DeSantis, thank God, was willing to stand up against this and say enough. We're not going to do this anymore. And we've seen the results. DeSantis was right. Lockdowns failed. The journos and the Democrats were wrong. They're wrong. Now, they never will accept this. They'll never say, yeah, you know what, you're right. Because ultimately, they think that they're just smarter than Republicans. That's a huge part of this. They're better people and they're smarter. And they won't they won't let that go. They, they've internalized that falsehood in a way where that's that's in it's uh, intrinsic now to who they are. I mean, it's just central to their perception of self. But DeSantis has made a mockery of this just by doing a good job and keeping his state as open as he could and saving a lot of people, including a lot of seniors. Let me say that at this time, we really are in a Category 5 hurricane status with regard to the rest of the world. At this point, uh, we will see in the next two weeks the highest number of cases reported globally uh, since the beginning of the pandemic. In terms of the United States, we're just at the beginning of this surge. We haven't even really begun to see it yet. We have had over the course of the past year a surges of cases that occur in the upper Midwest, the Northeast, and they subside. Then we see big increases in cases through all the southern Sunbelt states. Then it subsides in the Northeast and Midwest come back again. And we're now, I think, in that cycle where the upper Midwest is just now beginning to start this fourth surge. And I think it was a wake up call to everyone yesterday when Michigan reported out 8,400 new cases. And we're now seeing increasing number of severe illnesses, ICU hospitalizations in individuals who are between 30 and 50 years of age who have not been vaccinated. Here's what's going on, folks. You have. The same voices that are always telling us, just wait two weeks. Those same voices are coming out now to say we are we are on on the doorstep of doom. Yeah, I think the the actual phrase used 
by uh, Walensky, the chief of the CDC, was, I have this fear of impending doom. Now, we've got right now in the United States, because I am focused on what's going on in this country before any other country, of course. Right now in the United States, we have, uh, I believe, yes, 18% of the country, according to the New York Times, fully vaccinated, and 32% of the country has at least one dose. Uh, you've had an 18% uptick in cases in the U.S. This is as of today. 18% uh, uptick in cases over the last 14 days. So there's been a new case spike, but you've had deaths go down, okay? Deaths go down 23% over that same period. This is what we should have expected to happen at some level, where you have uh, you have the people who are at risk that who because of vaccinations, there are fewer of them getting it, which means even while cases go up, deaths go down. Cases and deaths should be going up side by side, right? Doesn't that make sense? You know, if you have a hundred new people who get the who get the virus and two of them die on average, well, then if you have a thousand new cases, right, then you should have at least twenty people who die. But how is it you can have a thousand cases, but you have only you know three people die? Well, what's going on? I'm, and I'm making up the numbers there, but just to illustrate the point, it's because the people who are at risk of dying from this are getting vaccinated. So this is actually a showing us a good thing. This is showing us what we should expect to happen here as more and more of the at-risk population is vaccinated. And we're, we had 277 deaths as of April 4th. Uh, you look at, for example, that, that's nationwide. On January 21st, we had 4,135 deaths. So what's with all the panic? Oh, the rest of the world. Oh, the rest of the world. Why are they doing this? We've gone from 4,000 deaths a day in January to 277 deaths yesterday. But do you get the feeling that they're willing to like let their little, let their, their just greasy little, little bureaucrat fingers off your off your face, right off the mask on your face. Are, do, do you feel like they'll finally just stop? No, no, they're, they're turning up the panic. You see, they're turning up the panic. And and it's just it's disgraceful. It's disgraceful because it's not rooted in the numbers. I, I told you and that some of you will remember this guy. Very appreciative. I have so many of you listening every day. I told you uh, now it was. I guess it would have been in the beginning of March. I told you that we would revisit in six weeks the Texas mask mandate and the end of the Texas mask mandate. We would revisit how things are going and we'd actually look at this. And I said, if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. But I'm telling you right now, Texas cases, deaths, hospitalizations will continue to go down even after the holy mask mandate, oh, the mask mandate, right? Cannot get rid of it. Uh, even if the mask mandate goes away, which it did, cases will still go down. What did, what did Biden say? Neanderthal thinking. Biden's a moron, but, you know, what did Biden say? Neanderthal thinking. What did Fauci, oh, you know, 
without the measures and the mitigation, you know, we're not going to be in a place where we know we could hit a plateau. And when the plateau goes up or down, that's no longer a plateau. Uh, you know, we, we, what ended up happening? I told you we'd revisit it in six weeks. It's been four weeks. Anybody want to guess? Cases in the state of Texas, about down 40%. I think it's 37 or 38% is the number that I saw. But let's call it 40%. Down. It's Neanderthal thinking, but cases are down 40%. Do, do they ever have to account for this? Does anyone ever hold them to account for their stupidity, for their wrongness? No, of course not. Never. Never happens. Uh, now they're saying, this is what I love, they say, oh, well, but the mask mandate's gone, but... But some people are still masking and and the cities are still having a mask mandate and some businesses. Okay, you can't have it both ways, though. You can't say the elimination of a statewide mask mandate is Neanderthal thinking that will kill people and it's all Republicans fault. And then a month later say, well, actually, a mask mandate at the state level doesn't mean anything. You're wrong on one count, right? You just got to pick which one if you're saying that stuff. But I told her we revisit it. We are 40% down. Once again, the Fauciite consensus was appallingly wrong because that little that little jerk is the worst, most ineffectual bureaucrat in the history of the universe. One of my big frustrations has been that there's been no real debate over the measures taken to suppress COVID-19 in this country. It's just do what I say, right? That's what Fauciism is. It's I'm an expert. There's science. Listen to the science, right? As if that's a thing. It's something you can just invoke to shut down discussion. That's not the way it should work, but it's what has happened in this country. And it's really frustrating to me because these people have been wrong. They've been wrong over and over again. And yet they have no consequences for this whatsoever. They don't suffer consequences. You do. Your business might be gone. You have freedoms that are shut down may not even be able to gather together with family members, depending on where you are and what you're trying to do. This is just outrageous. It's un-American, deeply un-American what's happened here. And the social media companies have been pushing this all along. I mean, they have been at the forefront of making sure that we can't have free and open debate. They hire these BS fact checkers. It's nonsense. So censorship on social media sites is very real. And the left is trying to remove any voices that don't agree with the Fauci consensus or any left wing uh, interest area for that matter. So instead of letting social media sites continue to abuse you in this way, why not revoke their right to your data? Because these free to access sites like Facebook make all their money by tracking your searches, video history, and everything you click on, and then they sell your valuable data. When you use ExpressVPN, you anonymize much of your online presence by hiding your IP address. That makes your activity much more difficult to trace and sell to advertisers. At ExpressVPN, is so easy to set up. You just tap one button on your phone or computer, and you're protected. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your data to protect you from hackers and internet bad guys. It's finally time to say no to censorship and take back your online privacy at expressvpn.com slash buck. By visiting my special link, you'll get an extra three months of ExpressVPN service for free. Again, that's expressvpn.com 
dot com slash buck express vpn dot com slash buck to protect your data today so please explain us um, ladies and gentlemen this uh, gathering is unfortunately lawful unlawful under the coronavirus regulations we have currently you are not allowed to meet inside with this many people under law at this moment in time you need to go home Failure to comply with this direction to leave and go to your home address ultimately could lead you to be fined £200 or if you fail to give your details to you being arrested. I suggest, ladies and gentlemen, though it is quite a, it is Good Friday and I appreciate you would like to worship, that this gathering is unlawful. So please may you leave. What does fascism sound like in the world today? You ever wonder about that? What would it actually sound because I think it sounds kind of like that guy. I, I think it sounds like some taxpayer-funded bureaucrat, in this case in the UK, saying, I'm, I'm so sorry, I, I know that it's Good Friday, and you actually believe you have a, a right to worship and, and commune with your God and your religious community, but you know we, we have these, uh, these uh, bureaucrats in lab coats who are so, so, so worried about you getting this virus, and they've been so correct on everything, haven't they? Except they're morons and they're always wrong. But anyway, um, if you don't stop worshipping your God right now, we're going to find and maybe arrest you. This is what is happening, not in authoritarian regimes, or at least regimes we would speak of as such. It's happening in the United Kingdom. It's happening here in America. We've had churches churches and, and other religious services shut down for months because of the Fauciite consensus. I mean, what about just masks and social distancing? That's not, that's not enough? No? Notice how they're, they're making judgments about risk and policy and health, but acting like it's just science. I'm just listening to the science. And it's even worse in the UK. At least here we can complain about the infringements on our First Amendment. At least here we can complain about the infringements on our our right to worship. Uh, they don't even have that in the UK. It's just shut up and do what you're told. You know, we've got we've got health problems, health concerns here, and so we're just going to tell you you can't be in church anymore. Go home. They're shutting down a Good Friday service, folks, because of COVID. I mean, what else do you have to know? about what these petty tyrants, these totalitarians uh, are willing to do. This is for a virus with a 99% survival rate that's already ripped through the entire Western world. I mean, I, I was seeing, I saw an analysis in the, in the Wall Street Journal. You know, I've been telling you things like this all along. Everyone who says, oh, there's 30 million cases. Um, the, 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 the good faith estimate of how many actual infections we catch versus the ones that are tested and proven is anywhere from one in five to one in 10 right now, right? So we got 30 million confirmed. If we got one in five that are, that are actually being caught, that means, folks, that we're at 150 million. That means half the country has already been infected. You understand that, right? Now, that's an estimate, I know, but given they say 40% of cases are asymptomatic, wouldn't that make sense? Wouldn't that make sense? Do you really think that everyone who's had this has been tested? That they've caught it? Of course not. So even if it's not even quite 150 million, if it's 100 million people, this is considered success in stopping the spread of this virus if 30% of America has gotten this. 
And think about how this has been the case in so many other parts of the world. Think about what this has meant in other countries, too. We've been led to believe we listen to the people in charge will be safe. That is a lie. They cannot protect you. They have not protected you. And they have completely stolen your freedom. They have infringed on your rights under this false promise. It's appalling. They should be ashamed of themselves, but they're not. They think that they're heroes. I think they've done a great job. Well, in Canada, I mean, I love this. This is a great video. And Canada over the, remember, this is the holiest weekend of the year for Christians. Holiest weekend of the year. Good Friday, Easter Sunday. And you had the leader of a church in Canada who, when the Calgary police showed up to do a little inspection inside the church of, you know, how many people are there, because, you know, God forbid that you want to gather with gather with your co-religionists and and praise God on Easter Sunday. Here is how he, this church leader, responded to Justin Trudeau's little uh, fascist brigade showing up to try to shut down a church because of social distancing, as if that's really saving anybody or anything. It's all bull. Here's here's how it went, though. And we, we could all learn something from this guy. Play one. Please get out. Get out of this property immediately. Get out. Get out of this property immediately. Out. I don't want to hear anything. Out of this property immediately. I don't want to hear a word. Out. Out. Out of this property immediately until you come back with a warrant. Out. 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 Out of this property immediately out. Immediately go out and don't come back. Okay. Go, I don't want to talk to you. Okay. Not a word. Out of this pro- out of this property. Immediately out. I don't care what you have to say. Out, out, out of this property, you Nazis. Out, out. Gestapo is not allowed here. Immediately, Gestapo is not allowed. Out! Do you understand English? Get out of this property. I love it, honestly. I mean, I, I this guy, I, I want to send him a thank you email just for the catharsis of, you know, look, and people say, oh, Buck, they're just doing their jobs. Ah, the cops don't actually have to show up and harass a church service. They don't have to do that. They, they, they could say they showed up and just, you know, made sure everything was okay and they could leave. They don't have to be parts of this fascism. They don't have to do it. But this guy understands. Okay, no, no, you know, good faith, uh, no, no decency from the other side has to be responded to in the harshest possible terms. Don't give them an inch. Don't give them any leeway. They've already pushed way too far. You want to come in here? It's private property. I, I, I need a warrant. I need a court order. And by the way, they may go and get them because that's what a bunch of psychos they are about COVID. But go get go get your court warrant. You're, you're not actually allowed to come in here. Sorry. You're not welcome in this church. Fascist thugs. This is the only this is the only way this stops. You know, Fauci just said recently that they're going to they're, they're hoping that maybe you can get rid of your masks in some congregate settings uh, by the end of the year, by the end of this year. You're, you're masking up all summer. All fall 
end of the year, maybe they could stop getting rid of him in some places. As I've told you, that won't happen. They say end of the year. Do you really think they're not going to move the goalposts on this? They say end of the year. What do they really mean? Next summer. Not this summer coming up. Next summer. At July 2022, people will stop being, you know, little babies clinging to their masks. Oh, the mask is going to save us. It didn't save you. It hasn't saved us. What else do they have to see? The mandates haven't worked. I, I just want to know, what do they really think? And, and we do lose something in this process. I mean, it's degrading. It's humiliating that a government authorities tell me I have to go, go put a stupid little cloth mask on, that air is going up and I'm below and I'm breathing in, you know, whatever's in the air around me. But I have to put this on or else I'm going to be fined or arrested. People think this is okay. This is normal. This is insane. A hundred years of pandemic planning, a hundred years of medical research, know-how, and science was abandoned in a moment of panic a year ago. And we have not yet come to grips with that. The public health authorities in this country did not know how to protect us, did not know what to do, did not have an answer, and social media and big tech and the Democrat Party all leverage this for political purposes and for the purposes of their own control to terrify the population, all right, to terrify people into compliance and to shut down voices like mine who have been saying, hold on a second, can we think about this? Can we speak a little more? Can we talk a little more about this before we just decide that we're going to accept whatever is, is put forward here as though it's gospel, as though it's truth? No, they wanted it all shut down. Do what they say or else. And they're not willing to give up that power. That must, to, to people that really believe in state control, this, this must have been uh, an incredibly intoxicating experience. It has been for Democrats. Well, look, I guess I should be flattered. People are coming because I'm the nice guy. That's the reason why it's happening, that I'm a decent man or however it's phrased. That, you know, that's why they're coming, because, no, Biden's a good guy. Truth of the matter is, nothing has changed. As many people came, 28% increase in children to the border in my administration, 31% in the last year of, in 2019 before the pandemic in the Trump administration. It happens every single solitary year. It's not true what he's saying, or rather he's being disingenuous as he says it. He's misleading you. They're setting records. I mean, this would be like saying there's illegal immigration all the time. Okay, yeah, but there's more now than there ever has been before when it comes to unaccompanied minors. You're setting records, Biden. You're number one, buddy, when it comes to open borders. And this is here's here's such a big part of this. Democrats want open borders, but they don't want the responsibility of having to advocate for it and defend it openly. They want de facto open borders. People want to come here, they can come here. We still have laws, but the laws aren't really enforced. The laws aren't really taken seriously. That is their decision. That's what they want. That's what's really happening. And it's why you have all this bizarre messaging from the Biden administration. It just doesn't really seem to make sense. What is the Biden administration trying to tell us? That this is the same as it always is? That nothing is going on on the border, really? This is just business as usual? 
I mean, we're not that dumb, right? They, they understand this, but that's what their messaging has, has had to uh, resort to. That's the kind of stuff that's being said. I mean, here's the, the secretary of DHS, Mayorkas, on the Biden administration refusing to recognize this as a crisis. Doesn't like that word. Play 18. So, Mr. Secretary, um, the administration seems to be sort of haggling over language. It's not a crisis. Some have called it a, ch- a challenge. Why not just say flat out what's happening on the southern border is a crisis? Jonathan, we're not haggling uh, over language. We're focused on mission, uh, and that is um, uh, securing the border, uh, and the border is secure. Uh, the border is closed, and that's what we're focused on. And I will not use language that is uh, not applicable. Uh, we uh, have dealt with uh, surges in migration at the border before. Uh, we have a plan. We are executing our plan. Uh, we will succeed. We know what to do. We are doing it. And um, that is the fact of the matter. I mean, that's just a bunch of bull, right? We all get that. Oh, no, we're just focused on results, but we're not focused on language. That's not true. They've been playing word games here all along. They've been very dishonest about what's happening at the border because they don't want the general public to understand just what a mess just what a disaster it has actually become. And so they, they do something and they tell you the exact opposite of what it actually is. Right. They, they, they kick the border wide open. They remove the necessary protections for the border that, that the Trump administration put in place to stop a surge just like this. They remove that stuff. And then bad things happen. The Democrats turn around and say, oh, but. You know, this is just the way it has to be. This is this is us fixing things. Wait, what? You broke it. You're not fixing it. We're living in the upside down world, friends. We're living in a place where uh, where there's just no there's really no value placed on truth that does not help the agenda. If if the truth or if the facts, if the information as it actually is does not advance the Democrat narrative of what is needed in this country and who needs to be in charge in this country, it gets cast aside. They just do not care. They just don't care. Uh, I mean, here's, I meant to get this before. Here's uh, Kaylee McEnany over at Fox News talking about, I mean, the, the comparison that should be made all the time now, not just at the border, but on state policies with regard to covid about what's happening in California versus what's happening in Florida or, or New York and Florida. And we've we've run an experiment now as a country. The states are laboratories of our democracy, right? We've seen what different states have done to deal with this pandemic. Here's what that's actually resulted in. Play nine. Yeah, Governor DeSantis is exactly right, as he has been all throughout this pandemic. You know, we've seen this modeled for the last year, the freedom model of dealing with the pandemic, which is embodied by Florida and Ron DeSantis, and then the coercion control model embodied by Governor Newsom of California and Governor Cuomo of New York. And look who turned out to be right all along. The freedom model, allowing people to live their lives without mask mandates, without onerous regulations and lockdowns that go on and on and 
government on closing churches. And now this vaccine passport is just another way to control the American people. It's absolutely wrong. It's antithetical to freedom. It's antithetical to the American way and good for Governor DeSantis for recognizing it. And yet, who are they attacking in the media? Who are they trying to make into a villain during this pandemic? Well, of course, the Republican. The results you see don't really matter to them. They don't care what the results are. It does not matter to them how many people were saved by the DeSantis model versus what they did in New York and California. What matters is whose team is helped by this. And if Team Democrat is helped, then it's great. If not, well, then they take the opposite. They take the opposite approach. And it's it's a sad thing to see at, at a time when you'd think that that a country would come together in facing a common a common enemy here, which this virus is a common enemy. Instead, it's been used to divide us and turn us against each other. And, and the lies from the establishment, the lies from institutions that are supposed to be supporting and helping us uh, deal with this are, are unforgivable unforgivable the mainstream media should never recover from what it has done during this pandemic have we reached a tipping point here where all of a sudden more and more people in the gop are going to realize that we we can either be in a two-way boycott war or a one-way fight but uh, those seem to be the choices we'll get into that and also some updates on hr1 which the democrats are desperate to make into law if they can Our friend Pedro Gonzalez is with us now. He's a senior writer at American Greatness. Pedro, uh, great to have you. Oh, always good to be on, Buck. So let's start with the MLB boycott uh, note from the president, former President Trump, rather, that came out over the weekend. Do you you think that this is something that that the people are, are starting to change? You know, on the right, we have this, we don't boycott, even if the other side does mentality, that's not working out so well for us. Right. And it's not clear to me that that mentality is actually the mentality of your everyday American who votes Republican, or if it's what the, let's say, conservative intellectual class wants to wants to make them believe. So that's not clear. And it would it'd actually be interesting to dive into that and see what, what the what the reality is. My suspicion is that everyday Americans being common sense people understand that if a company is actively doing things that hurt me or that are harmful to what I still consider the American way of life, then it stands to reason that I'm just not going to, I'm not going to give them my money. And it's always been bizarre to me that you have these, let's call them uh, activists or ideologues or pundits, whatever, who, who will militantly say, no, we don't boycott. That's something that the socialist left does. Well, ironically, that helps no one more than the so-called socialist left, because it's very clear now that most of the country's biggest corporations back so-called socialism. I mean, you know, we can debate over whether it actually is or is not socialism, but I think it's very clear now that the biggest corporations in this country support the left or they pay lip service to the left. And they're very much aligned with the Democratic Party. You, you can you can get receipts for this, right? Biden had more billionaire backers than Trump did. So there's no debate about that. And like you said, it, we're not winning with this bizarre mentality of we basically we can't fight back because that's what saying you can't boycott really means is you're not allowed to fight back. You have to continue patronizing 
these organizations that are trying to destroy you. Do you think that corporations have uh, have they gone more woke because of the social media pressure that's brought on them? Well, how did we get to this point where, where what you'd think of is these, well, first of all, I think Coca-Cola's CEO is a British guy, right? But you think of these great American companies out there, you know, these these brands that we all know, and they're they're now taking political positions that are in line with what the the average MSNBC viewer might think. How did we get to this point? I think this has been actually a long time coming. And it's funny, there there was this, you can call it a publicity stunt, but Ralph Nader sent out uh, a letter to the CEOs of the, of the, I think, the 20 largest corporations and asked them if, if they would agree to stand up at the beginning of their annual shareholder meetings on the behalf of the United States, which, you know, they have built their fortunes on, say, the Pledge of Allegiance. And the mixture was actually, the, the response mixture was uh, really underwhelming. Uh, most, basically, on, on balance, most of the CEOs of America's biggest companies either did not respond or uh, a, couple of, a couple of them were actually indignant uh, by the request. Like, they, they basically compared it to loyalty oaths that you would have in like a, like a fascist country or something like that. And th this was in the nineties, I think. So this has been actually happening for a long time. And as far as the woke aspect, I, I think that it, it woke in our minds has a very specific meaning. And I think we associate with black lives matter, which is correct. But as far as being kind of like left, I think that this is also nothing new corporations especially like the agricultural industry have for a long time supported things like mass immigration because mass immigration means cheap labor. Cheap labor means bigger bottom lines. Who cares what it does to the, to the American worker, right? It's all about that, that bigger profit. And I think the same is true for things like even affirmative action since the, since the nineties we've known and probably even before that, that actually corporations were huge fans of affirmative action because what does that mean? More bodies in the workplace. Uh, bigger bottom lines, more productivity. So, so I think it's just kind of really bubbled over to a point where we can't ignore this anymore. Literally, when you have people rioting and burning down stores and homes, and and you've got Facebook, Apple, CEO, Am, uh, Amazon, all these huge corporations saying we stand with Black Lives Matter as they're burning down mom and pops across the country. We're speaking to Pedro Gonzalez. He is a senior writer for American Greatness, and and Pedro. Um, I I have to wonder what is what is the what is the Republican Party? I, I understand that we're Republicans are out of power right now. What does it stand for right now? What, what what what's the case that we're really making? It seems like we complain about the overreach of the left sometimes, but we don't really come out with well what what are we going to do? Right, and I think that there's an ongoing identity crisis in the GOP. And you've got a few guys that I think are trying to go in a new direction and test new waters like Ron DeSantis, maybe to an extent Josh Hawley. But I think DeSantis is kind of in, in, in the lead here, even if he doesn't want to be. And if he doesn't see himself as doing that, I think just by by his actions, that's kind of where he's positioned himself. But I think that the GOP establishment, these these legacy institutions and actors, they want to continue being the party of big business which is obviously a problem because big business doesn't really, I mean, obviously the, the Koch brothers, people like that and, and entities like that are still aligned with the GOP. 
they also give money to Democrats. But I think you get what I'm saying here. The, the GOP is, is nonetheless in this weird position where they want to continue being the party of tax cuts, the party of kind of avoiding hot button social issues by framing them as economic ones, like the transgender sports issue. You know, uh, well, we don't care what transgender people do. They compete in sports as long as the government's not subsidizing it somehow. And the, so the GOP wants to do this, but it, it's just impossible to avoid this problem now where one corporations are doing what like Delta and the MLB have done, which is openly signal against GOP policies going even further and saying these are racist policies. These are, in other words, these are evil policies. And then also basically doing things that are really offensive uh, to the GOP's base. And so again, the Republican party is uh, it's almost like Stockholm syndrome. Like they, uh, there's a large part of it that just cannot get over its, and I think there's obviously a lot of money involved here. I think that's that's probably the, the most important point. But the GOP uh, is having a really difficult time figuring out what it, where it's going and what it stands for. Do you think, and we're speaking to Pedro Gonzalez, who's a senior writer at American Greatness. Pedro, do you, do you think that we've really come to grips with what did and did not happen in in the election and also what did and did not happen under Trump in the sense that, you know, I, I have people who they'll, they'll say, well, Trump kept all of his promises. And I say, look, you can make a case that Trump did some really, really good things. And, and I have made that case, but he definitely didn't keep all of his promises. And, and I worry that right now, I mean, just to my earlier question to you about what is the GOP right now, that there's this sense that. Any moment now, Trump is going to kind of emerge from Mar-a-Lago exile and, you know, all this MAGA stuff will come back and that will be the opposition. I don't I don't think that's going to happen, but also I don't know if that would work the way that people think that it would. Right. I agree. And this is difficult for a lot of people and a lot of people who are well-meaning and understandably because the the field is bereft of champions they put a lot of hope in trump and and they still have that hope that he's going to come back like napoleon from exile or something but maybe with the same results right and i I think it's important to to for these people to follow the money because even with trump this is true especially with trump actually don't just listen to what like Trump is saying, don't listen to what people that are, you know, identify as MAGA are saying, really pay attention to what Trump has been doing with your money, because that is, I think, a good metric for results. Right. And I've written about this. There's another even more recent story about this. Basically, a whole lot of money has been raised by the Trump project through his own political action committees and through joint fundraising projects with the RNC And basically, a lot of money was raised on, for example, overturning the outcome of the election um, after November. But it looks like on balance, a lot of that money actually did not go to anything election related. And instead, it it kind of vanished as payments to friends, family, allies, paying down campaign debt. Actually, a lot of it looks like a, a, a significant amount of the money that was raised after November 3rd to... Uh, litigate the the election results actually went as refunds to to Republican voters, Trump supporters, 
who unwittingly were enrolled in recurring donations. So they realized that a 500 donation ended up being thousands of dollars because the fine print said that if you donate once, you're actually going to get signed up for recurring donations. And when these people would go through the complicated process of demanding a refund, the the, the money that was raised to stop the steal actually went to, to subsidizing the cost of those refunds. And so I think this this is a real indictment of the whole Trump project and how it ended. And again, this matters because these are these are people that you know. These are not wealthy people. These are like middle income, lower income people that gave mom, money to Trump because they they expected results and they didn't get them. And I think that this is probably something that the most important way to have this conversation is look, uh, he's saying what you want to hear, but is he actually doing what he says he's going to be doing, especially with the money that you give him? And so far, the answer is no. And I think that we all need to be very honest about what the other side is doing to us and what our own side is doing, too. I think there's not nearly enough of that these days. Check out American Greatness. Uh, our friend Pedro Gonzalez continuing to write there, AmericanGreatness.com. Pedro, thanks so much for joining, man. Great to have you on. Thanks again, Buck. I tell you what, I've read a lot of memoirs. I've never read a memoir uh, like this one before. This is Hunter Biden's book, Beautiful Things, that comes out on Tuesday. It is extraordinary. You know, you've heard about Hunter Biden over the years. You've heard all the tabloid coverage of Hunter Biden. You think you know his story. We know that right-wing media is obsessed with him. Fox News always uh, targeting him. And there are real questions to ask, including about that laptop uh, that CBS uh, is probing, uh, that CBS asked Biden about in an interview that's airing uh, today and airing again tomorrow. But this book, this book about addiction, about how many times Hunter Biden could have died, the president's son. It's breathtaking. I mean, Brian Stelter is the most servile little turd in media, right? <laughs> it's just let's we're gonna be honest. I don't want to be mean. I, it's, I think it's just objective. It's the most amazing memoir. You know, there are questions about the. There's no question about the laptop, jackass. It was his laptop. We all know it. All right. I mean, it was amazing watching. He did some interviews or his press for this book, which he's gotten, you know, seven figures for, for Hunter Biden for his book. And, and they're going, you know, well, is that your laptop? And he goes, oh, I don't know. Really? Really? You don't know if someone has access to everything on your laptop, including intimate photos of you? You, 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 you can't tell me if that's really your laptop or not? Yeah, maybe the Russians stole it. You know, I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe aliens landed. Who knows? But it's an amazing story. It's really, I'm not here to just carry water for Democrats and to humanize the president's clearly very screwed up son. I mean, you know, this is the guy that they told us. This is the guy the Democrats were all looking at saying, oh, I mean, you know, the Burisma didn't give him money because they were trying to buy influence of the president. You know, he's a lawyer. He's a smart guy. Sure, sure, yeah. But the, the thing that I think got the most attention here is that Hunter Biden claimed that he smoked crumbs of parmesan cheese thinking that it was uh, uh, crack i believe he, he smoked parmesan cheese this is this is joe biden so now look addiction is a very serious problem and it's it's devastating to families who have it and it's you know it is something to take not only very seriously but also to have some some real sympathy for but hunter biden is not shying away from the public eye hunter biden's not some guy who's just trying to go to treatment and, you know, be away from all this. This is a guy who's trying to cut international deals with the Chinese and with the Ukrainians and the Russians so he can be a, a multi, multi-millionaire. And he is a millionaire. 
This is a guy who is leveraging daddy's connections, and daddy's supposed to be representing you and me when he was vice president and now president. Isn't it remarkable? This Joe Biden's, I know he's president, and I know this is almost, this feels like it's, you, it can't be true. Joe Biden's a loser. I don't care that he's president. I don't care that he was vice president. I don't care he was a senator for decades and decades. This is a guy, he's just the best that lasted, right? He's just the guy who stayed around longer than everybody else. And and in a sense, I mean, the, the inspirational part about Joe Biden is that you too can be a deeply unimpressive mediocrity, but if you have no principles, you stand for nothing, and you just say exactly what you have to say to play the system... Maybe you too can be president. You know, maybe maybe you can reach that point uh, in in your career. You meaning anybody, right? Anyone can be. If Joe Biden can be president, anybody can be president. You don't have to be successful. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be good at anything. You just have to be a a a slimy guy who plays the game. That's it. It's it's amazing in a sense, right? I mean, it's a, it isn't only an America situation. And then his his son who, you know, this guy, I mean, he's got a kid with a stripper out of wedlock and he's got the crack and he got kicked out of the billet. I mean, such a mess. He had, an, he had a, a sexual relationship with his dead brother's widow he talked about here. I mean, this is getting really weird, friends. Right? We understand this is Joe Biden's kid. Can you imagine if one of the Trump children was in a similar circumstance to this? I mean, they they were desperate to try to find a way to throw one of the Trump kids or all the Trump kids in prison if they could. I mean, they the, the Democrat media was so insane if they could have found a way to. And, and they did attack uh, on a personal level. Uh, Trump's um, Baron you know, son, Baron, right? It was like a barely a teenager, I think, when the administration started 12 or 13 years old, maybe they did find ways to attack him and th- they would lock up. Uh, Ivanka or Jared or Donald Trump Jr., even Eric, in a heartbeat if they could, and feel really justified in that. They'd, they'd feel like they had done a great thing for the country if they could lock them up. And yet here we are looking at this and seeing w- what a disaster. I mean, Joe Biden, he's got a dog that bites people. I'm sorry, it's true. The dog, now a second time, he's got a dog that bites people. All right. The guy can barely walk up a flight of stairs. Sometimes it seems like he's almost 80 years old. His his son, Hunter, is a complete disaster and a mess who is yet somehow still a millionaire or has made millions of dollars. He was clearly paid by Burisma as a way to try to get, you know, get get daddy to at least be on their side as a kind of insurance policy. That's obvious. Media pretend that it wasn't obvious. And. It just feels like we're we're living in a in a bizarro world where this is the first family, really. The Bidens. Remarkable. The show ain't over yet, folks. It's time for roll call. All right. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Or teambuck at iheartmedia.com. If you want to be a part of the roll call, please do send us your thoughts. Also, if you're not already following me on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, please do. Be great to hear from you there. And uh, yeah, man, producer Mark. We know we had a little producer Mark happy birthday moment on Friday. 
Do you have any any birthday tales from the weekend to share with us? Just a lovely time spent with my wife and a few friends. Uh, we uh, were able to order in hibachi, which is uh, one of my favorite foods. And uh, my wife got some cupcakes. It was very fun. Hibachi, is that the Japanese steak? That's when they cook it in front of you. Right, but yeah. is that is that right? Is it, it a Japanese thing or a sta- Korean thing? Is it Japanese. Korean? It's Japanese. Japanese, yeah, yeah. You've never gone to a hibachi restaurant before? Uh, once a long time ago. Really? It's been a long time. Oh, it's fantastic. They cook the food in front of you. It's either steak or chicken or shrimp, whatever you want. It's delicious. Mm, huh? Very nice. So you went out to a place? No, we ordered it in, but normally... Oh, you, you ordered it in, so they didn't cook it in front of you. That's well, <laughs> it is the same food as when they cook it in front of you. <laughs> Do they send you like a video, you know? They send you a little YouTube clip of them making funny. it? They, they should yeah. send a video of them making it, yeah. Yeah, but all right. Well, I'm glad it was I'm glad it was delicioso. Anything else? No, that's it. Just very low-key. Not not quite the same birthdays as when we were in college, Buck. And how old is producer Mark for everybody listening, just so they know? He's 28. He is not, in fact, uh, uh, 55, guys. He's 28, just so you know. Do people really think I was that old? Some of them have thought you're a little bit older. I mean, I know I have a deep voice, but still. Yeah, yeah, Some, some of them think, you know, your your grouchy ways put you a couple That's decades That's true. I do act there, like but, I'm 65. Yeah, but, but I mean, I get it. I've always I've always been an old soul, so I get it. And I was always like, knock off all that noise, you know, I've, I'm... What, I'm fighting a one-man war against unnecessary noise. Always, I will tell you, I went. I went to get coffee the first time I really emerged from my apartment after having had COVID for ten days. Uh, I, I emerged. I went to a coffee shop in the corner, and I go in there, and and there's somebody who is. And there's a few people in there, and there's somebody who is having a, a conversation on speakerphone. Like a loud conversation, like they put their phone down on the table in front of them in a public place on speakerphone so we can all hear what the other person's saying. This is this is savage. This is not the way we do things, Producer Mark. What are people forgetting all their manners because of the pandemic? Yes. Actually, it's not because of the pandemic. People did that well before the pandemic. And it's gross. The other thing that I see people do, and I, I really don't understand this, is they will they will take a. Uh, th- they will have a kid with the what do you call it uh, the tablet you know um, iPad. iPad and they'll be playing video games on their iPad without headphones on like to begin with restaurants aren't really for having iPads in your hands but if it keeps the kid quiet I, I-, I can kind of tolerate it a- you know a little bit if it- the kid needs this to be quiet although what does that say about some of the parenting situation I'm just putting it out there but beyond that you got to have headphones I mean, you got to have headphones. I, I don't understand why people think they can make all this noise and all this is acceptable. So, yeah. I once had anyway. that behind me on a plane, and I immediately said something before we took off because it was a six-hour flight. Yeah, it's horrifically rude. It's horrifically. I don't want to hear someone else's video game yeah. or, or or movie or cartoon or whatever. I don't want to hear. Parents it. acted shocked when I asked them to put on headphones. Yeah, people are total wrong. savages. Have no have no sense of manners whatsoever. So I'm I'm with you on that one, man. So for me, over the weekend, the only exciting part of the weekend was I finally got to see um, my, except finally got to see Tallulah, and I got to see my little nephew Ryan, who's very very cute. He's now a little, he's like a little. When when they're a little infant, uh, you know, they're so small and delicate. Now he's turned into like a chunk. You know, he weighs like twenty pounds because I guess he's six months old or so, and you know, he's like a thick little dude. And he's a lot of fun. He smiles and laughs and stuff when you, you know, because when, when they're really young, you know, they you kind of just you feed them and keep them clean and they don't really 
you know, the baby doesn't really interact with. I have not spent much time with babies before. So this is my first experience with someone with a baby, really getting to know my nephew. So there's that, which is fun. I'm with you there. I've never held a baby or been near a baby, really. So I get it. Right. So all this baby stuff to me is kind of new. So I've got this little tiny, little tiny baby. He's very, very, very cute, though. He likes to grab on pretty hard. He's got these little pudgy fingers and he grabs my beard now and likes to pull on the beard. And, you know, I'm not going to tell him, you know, you can't pull out the beard. He was a little guy. So he pulls on the beard sometimes. You know, so that's what it is. But that was the highlight of that. And, uh, you know, pretty much. I, I wish I could say this. I'm, I am going to go to the gym that I haven't felt up to going to the gym since I've had COVID. So I'm going to go back in today. And that's always a humbling. That's always a humbling experience. You go in the gym and you go, oh, OK, so this is going to be uh not, not an easy situation. But anyway, I'm going to get back into it, folks. Going to get back into it. Let's get to your thoughts in Roll Call. We'll kick it off with Daryl. He writes, since Joe Scarborough is so concerned about the behavior and choices of others impacting him and his family, I wonder if he holds himself to the same standard. For example, when he drives his son to that baseball game, I surely hope he is abiding by all legal speed limits and properly signaling all turns. I hope he isn't driving distracted by yapping on a cell phone. Further, I hope he got a full eight hours of sleep the night before to avoid any danger of driving drowsy and not being fully alert. I also hope he strictly maintains his vehicle in top shape so there's no risk of mechanical failure on the road. Failure to do all these things and more would surely endanger those around him and by his own logic, why should any of us be subjected to risking our safety by being in the presence of a driver like him? Shields high. Yeah, Daryl, I mean, first of all, the Scarborough point that I was really digging in on at the time was that he is so vicious toward people that have questions about whether they should get the vaccine, all under the assumption that it's Trump supporters, those idiot Trump supporters, when the greatest uh, the greatest pockets in the country of real vaccine opposition uh, tend to be concentrated in the minority community and particularly a lot of black and Latino folks, but particularly a lot of black Americans uh, in the polling suggest that they have a problem with with the vaccination or, you know, they, they don't basically they are concerned about it. they don't want to get vaccinated. And yet Scarborough trashes Republicans for being idiots and, you know, oh, they're so stupid. They won't because he's because he's a jerk. I mean, I don't know what, what, what even motivates that guy at this point. You know, blew up his family and someone else's family. They get married his co-host. I mean, the whole, you know, the whole thing is really what, what is what keeps that guy just being just attention, money and attention. It's all so empty at the end of the day, isn't it? Dave. Hey, Buck, please ask producer Mark why I should continue to pay twenty five dollars a month to watch my Cubs when they're pulling the all-star game from Atlanta because of a completely reasonable vote for fair voting laws. This is getting out of hand. We now have LeBron chiming in. I try to like and respect him, but he's so wrong about everything that's going on right now. Yeah, LeBron James's politics are, are awful and, and not rooted in a fair understanding of the world as it is or America as it is, so there's that. And it, it, is, it is, to me, uh, a little whiny and babyish for... A lot of these professional athletes, not just LeBron James, but to act like they're standing up against all this oppression. No, they're celebrated celebrity multimillionaires and their lives are pretty amazing. And they're really, really lucky. But uh, what, what's this? What, $25 a month to watch my Cubs? Uh, Mark, what's he talking about? 
Uh, well, I, I assume he's uh, an out-of-market fan and has to pay for um, the subscription service to watch the out-of-market games. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, so like if I lived in Florida, MLB has a thing where you can subscribe for a monthly fee or a yearly fee, and you get all the games. $25 a month? That's expensive. Uh, it's probably a little cheaper than the one on cable. That's the streaming service, so the cable package is probably a lot more expensive. I mean, $25, like you can you can subscribe to HBO a la carte, I think, for like $13 or $14 a month. Well, yeah, but... Uh, baseball know, is baseball. Baseball right. is baseball, and it's every day. So. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Well, we'll see. Uh, let's we'll see what we got here. Kyle writes, Buck, here's my response to progressives who are pushing the COVID passport. Can't get a COVID passport without a, get, without a COVID vaccine. Can't get a COVID vaccine without an ID. Requiring IDs is racist. Therefore, COVID passports are racist. Kyle, I know you are applying the logic of the left uh, here, and, and you're correct in your application of it, but... Remember, they they don't care that they have double standards because they don't aspire to universally applicable principle. They just want to have the power to do what they want to do. So they want to treat people differently based on what they decide. Right. They, they, They don't they're not even trying at this point to say, yeah, you know, it's voter ID in general is acceptable or unacceptable for all purposes. They're saying we want it when we want it. We don't want it when we don't want it. End of story. End of discussion. That's how they view it. Uh, getting into it here with Dave. Buck, I've been saying for the entire duration of the Rona that it has been a control thing. As you constantly say, Fauci is an idiotic troll that's drunk on power. I feel as if the American people won't stand for another 15, 16 months. Love the show. Agree with pretty much all your takes. Shields high. Well, David, if you agree with all my takes, you're obviously a very wise, well-informed fellow. So thank you for that. And yeah, I think people don't really fully yet comprehend how much Fauciism is going to linger. Like, here's what I can tell you. I have a very high confidence in this statement, this assessment, that Fauciism is not going to get turned off like a light switch. There, there's not going to be some day at which they go, OK, let's go back to normal. You know, let's go back to a world where we don't have to wear masks and we can do what we want to do. We can go where we want to go. You know, I was thinking the other day about about how I would love to go to a, a beach in the Caribbean for a weekend. You know, I'd love to take the snow princess. I'm thinking about doing this suit and I'm, I'm looking to do it. I mean, I was actually getting ready to do it. Just get away for a week. You know, go to the Bahamas for a weekend or go to, you know, Jamaica for a weekend or something. Because flights, right? You can get flights for like 150 bucks or something. So the flight's not that much. You go place for three or four days, find a nice place, maybe even do an Airbnb. Basically go away for a Caribbean weekend for under a thousand bucks. You could do that right now, you know, which is for a vacation. It's pretty nice. I mean, it's pretty inexpensive uh, compared to what it would usually be. And everywhere I want to go, there's all this, oh, you have to test negative three days before, submit it to the health system, you know, and and, and then this is for Barbados and it's for, for Jamaica and for Virgin Islands and for St. Lucia, for all these different places, which if you're an East Coaster, this is from the West Coast, you can go to Hawaii much more easily or maybe you go down to Mexico much more easily. If you're the center of the country, obviously Mexico. But if you're on the East Coast, you know, the Caribbean tends to be a it's about the same flight. You'd have to go to Florida from New York and all these places I want to go to. They have all these rules. 
And here's the thing. Yeah, I, I think I'll test negative on my PCR before I go. But they also have tests that they'll do when you arrive. And if your PCR is positive, they're going to manda- they're going to make you mandatorily uh, quarantine for 14 days. I-, I can't I can't go away for two or three days. What I think is like a long weekend, basically, or even just a weekend somewhere and be told that you have to stay in your hotel room for 14 days. I, I can't do I can't risk that. I mean, I don't think it's that high, but these PCR tests and I've had covid. So there's clearly virus shards in my system still. So I, I, I can't take that risk. So this is crazy. This is crazy. I should be able to show up if this is really based on the science. This is really based on what's true. I should, I should be able to show up with proof of a positive covid test from 30 or 60 days before and say, see, I'm immune. Leave me alone. But now even vaccination is not enough because vaccinations aren't perfect. We, we've fallen into this totalitarian mindset where because something isn't perfect, that means or it's not 100 percent. That means you have to live your life like it's a reasonable fear. That's crazy. That's crippling. I can't guarantee any of you listening to this that you will not get hit by a car if you cross the street. I can't guarantee you that today or tomorrow or any day. Can't guarantee it. Does that mean that you're never going to cross the street again? I mean, I don't know. You know, it's about protecting you. If it saves one life, right, that's the mentality. That's what has happened during COVID. We've gone to this zero-risk mindset which is totalitarianism. It's 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 completely unacceptable and it's destroying us. All right, continuing on with roll call here, we got Danny. Sorry you got COVID. I was in the bubble for a while, but went ahead and took the jab, as my online fri- friends in the United Kingdom would say. So far, so good after my first Pfizer shot after two rough days. Stay well, my friend, and get the hell out of New York. If you want good Carolina pulled barbecue pork, look for the Lexington style next time you're here. But my vote for the best barbecue is for Kansas City. As a 54-year-old who grew up on Long Island and moved around, I never knew Brooklyn had good barbecue. I'll have to look into that next time I visit the family. Oh, and Shields High. Well, thank you, Danny. I've had Kansas City barbecue, and it is quite delicious. I will say that. Kansas City does have some really good barbecue. But yes, as much as they're a bunch of left-wing hipsters with awful politics, Brooklyn does have good barbecue. It is a, it is a true thing. There's very and actually New York City has some really good barbecue places now, not with the same authenticity and you know regional flair and variation you'll get in other places. But if you're just talking about can you get really good pulled pork, really good brisket with a delicious sauce, barbecue style, the answer is yes, you can get that in New York. So it does exist here. I know people don't uh, necessarily uh, like to hear that, but it's true. Linda, hey, Buck, like you, my husband and I both had COVID. We have no idea where we got it. Uh, We obeyed all the mandates, traveled as much as we wanted. Finally, just last month, we both got it. My husband tested positive, and since I also had symptoms, I didn't test because I didn't want the state's panic numbers to go up. I did take an antibody test shortly after and and tested positive for those. We're with you. No one who has had COVID or vaccinated should have limits on their freedom. Actually, no one should. But one step at a time getting out of this mess. Our son is a D1 hockey player. Their team quarantined three separate times this season. The liberal school never bothered with antibody tests. So the whole team individually quarantined three times. 
all while the players got tested every day for seven months. I am beyond frustrated over all of this as you are. My other young son is a Navy off. My other son is a young Navy officer in pilot training. They have all kinds of crazy COVID rules, none of which makes sense. The morale of the troops is in the tank. Linda, I'm glad you and your husband are well. God bless you and your family. Thanks for writing in. And yes, the COVID madness needs to end. But we're a long way from getting out of this, friends, even as the numbers keep going in our favor. More tomorrow. Please pass the buck. Tell somebody about this show who hasn't heard of it, doesn't listen, should join us. Shields high.